So this morning, what I'd like to, to share with you is what the Lord has given me about God and nature. For some people, that, they don't seem to go together, and I don't know why, because they do go together. And spring is on the way. And I walked out of the house the other morning, and the sun was shining for the first time in a number of days. You know what I'm talking about. And all of a sudden, the boys were singing. And I said, this is amazing. I feel like it's spring already. It just gave my heart such joy. And I know it does the same for you. This is the beauty of living in the Northeast where we get four seasons as to constant summer down in Florida or constant winter up in Maine or someplace like that. We were, somebody was talking to Joni up in Vermont and I think that she just said, we just had two feet of snow. Meanwhile, I was looking out my window and saying, ah, better you than me. <laughs> so it worked out that way. Uh, in an article entitled, The Wonders of the Natural World, quote, God's Design, university professor Gerald Bregman points out how advanced God's creation is over human inventions. We think we've invented everything. You know, we think that, you know, there was a period of time when the patent office wanted to close its doors back in the early 1900s because they felt that everything that could be invented had been invented. Can you imagine? But the reality is that long before we invented a lot of things, God created them first. Here's a few examples. Before we ever discovered and harnessed electricity, electric eels had generated their own electricity at will up to, ready, 700 volts. I would never like to meet one of those eels. I never like to eat meals, although people seem to like to eat eels. Before we ever invest, invented electric lights, fireflies were flashing their signals to one another, and certain fish in the ocean depths produced light to guide their travels. Long before we learned to navigate the seven seas, birds traveled from the Arctic to the Antarctic, landing at the same nesting sites year after year. How could that be? And before we designed and built suspension bridges, God's spider had demonstrated their ability to engineer the very same thing, suspension nests. Feats of amazing brilliance all coming to you through his creation. The psalmist often expressed amazement and wonder as he saw God in everyday occurrences of life. When you look around, do you see God's hand at work? When you see spring coming up and various flowers begin to bloom, do you acknowledge that it's God who orchestrated that? That they're operating to God's timetable. When the, when the farmer plants seed corn, he plants it at a certain time. And he expects to see certain results by certain target dates, like the 4th of July. They expect it to be knee-high. Things happen because inside those seeds, there is a design. And who was the designer? Who was the programmer of those seeds that they would do what they're supposed to do at a specific time? None other than your God creator. And when we see these things, we should acknowledge him. When we see the beauty of flowers blooming in spring, one of the things it should say to us, even though God made the, the planet to be functional, to be able to support life is what the scripture says, that he made it so that people and animals and living things could nourish and, and multiply here. 
But the other thing that God did besides making it functional was to make it beautiful. So when you see these flowers sprouting in spring, when you see the beauty of the variety of colors and textures and aromas, give God the glory. Our text this morning presents God's care to all people and especially those who are hurting. And then he demonstrates his many attributes through nature. So let's begin our text this morning is Psalm 147. Let's stand together. Psalm 147. We'll just read the first six verses at this point, And then we'll go on to read verses 10 through, uh, I'm sorry, verse 7 through 11. So here's Psalm 147. Praise ye the Lord, for it is good to, to sing praises unto our God. For it is pleasant, and praise is calmly. It's appropriate. It's the right thing to do. The Lord has built up Jerusalem. He gathered together the outcasts of Israel. He healeth the broken in heart and bindeth up their wounds. He tells the number of stars. He calls them by their names. Great is our Lord and of great power. He understanding is infinite. The Lord lifted up the meek and cast the wicked down to the ground. Sing unto the Lord with thanksgiving. Sing praise upon the harp and unto our God who covereth the heavens with clouds, who prepares rain for the earth, who maketh grass to grow upon the mountains. You may be seated. I went, through, I went a little further than I should have. Verse 1. You can't have too much Bible, right? I mean, this is a Bible-believing church. Verse 1 says, praise the Lord. And, and that is a good thing to do. It is spiritually therapeutic. Have you ever thought of... You think, I'm going through physical therapy right now for my knees. Some of you are going through physical therapy. And it's good for your body. But have you ever thought of spiritual therapy? Have you ever thought of, about the things that could lower your blood pressure? That could lift your spirit? That could put a smile on your face? Things that could chase away the gray clouds? The Bible is very clear that when we sing unto the Lord, it's therapeutic. How many of you have ever put on some gospel music on your CD? And you get to, like Gaither. I mean, when people put on Gaither, one of the things that I feel, and I know because you've told me, one of the things you feel is great joy. It's exciting to listen to that music. It just lifts your heart. Well, it also lowers your blood pressure. So it is physically helpful. Is it, is it, is it, is God worthy of our praise? Yes, he is. The Bible teaches in the scripture that we just read that he helps us in our problems. You've brought your problems to the Lord since you've been a Christian. Things that you felt you couldn't handle on your own, and you knew you couldn't. You knew you just about reached your limit. You felt if you had to take another breath or another step, you couldn't. You've come to that place in your life, and you've lifted those problems up to the Lord. Now, my suggestion is, and this is an old suggestion, start praying right away when these things happen. Don't wait until you've run out of steam. Start right away to bring your problems to the Lord. He wants to encourage you from the get-go, from the very start of your problems. So he helps us in our problems. And also, his, he is our hope of the future life. For, for so many people, they are in dismay, and they're dispirited because they realize that life is short. And they realize we're not going to be here forever. 
And they realize that each year that goes on, they're closer and closer. As one lady said to me, I'm getting closer to the end of the, the, li the line. And I looked at her and I said, no, you're not getting closer to the end of the line. You're getting closer to the head of the line. You're going to take one more step and be in eternity. It's a wonderful trip that God's going to take you on. You're going to go from the finite to the infinite. You're going to go from the temporal to the eternal. What an amazing thing. And we're going to take our last breath here, and our next breath is going to be heavenly air. Think about it. That should get you excited. So many people are despondent over the idea of, of, of death and fearful over the idea of death. But for the believer, there's hope beyond the grave. There's more than just this physical life. There are more than just 10 score, uh, 20, uh, 80, more than 80 years. There's more years than that because you're going to be graduating into heaven. And so many people in our congregation this year have graduated from earth to heaven. So he's the creator of heaven and earth, as I said earlier. When you look at this creation, are you in awe? When you look up at the stars, we don't see too many stars here in New Jersey. But I've been places, and my brother, where you live, is you can see a lot of stars up there. He used to live in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. By the way, thank you for your beautiful music this morning. Really a wonderful thing. I'm very proud of my brother. He has done, he's just an amazing character. And his music is just one thing that he does, and it's so beautiful. Well, we worship creator of heaven and earth. We can get excited about that. Where, where Ron used to live in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, you see billions of stars. Here, there's four stars. What's the big deal? And I, that's why people aren't so close to the Lord. What is it, four stars? No big deal. He keeps his promises. And one of the promises he made was to sustain you through the tough times. Another promise he made was that, that the earth would continue to be able to support life that the sun would shine, the moon would rise, the, 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 the elements would come, it would rain, it would snow, everything would continue. He made that promise under, uh, under Adam and Eve, and he's kept it all of these ma many thousands of years. It still rains, the sun still comes up, the moon shines. So there's another promise made by God that you can point to. He loves his children. So many people feel like they, nobody loves them. And that may be true. But can I tell you, as a Christian, you're loved. God loves you. Jesus loves you. Jesus proved the point the way nobody else could. He loved you when you were yet a sinner, and he loved you enough to die for you. Not when you and he were buddies, but when you and he were enemies, before you ever knew him, he knew you, and he gave up his life for you. And then he heals the brokenhearted. And if you've ever been brokenhearted, if you've ever spent tearful nights, sleepless nights, he wants to heal your heart. And finally, he raises up, he raises us up and we're down and out. Have you ever been, been there? Have you ever been down and out? Felt you, you just couldn't go any further? If we put verse 3 and 4 together, we read this. He heals the brokenhearted, 
and he tells the number of stars. Now, those don't seem exactly to go together, but let's contrast them. He heals the brokenhearted, and he tells the number of stars. If we read those two verses together without a break, we feel the full force of the contrast from stars to size, from heavenly down to a moment when you're in despair. He bridges that gap between the, the heavens and your hurt. His compassion and his love can deal with the stars and keep everything organized out there. He knows what's going on in the universe and there are billions or trillions, I can't even tell you the numbers, of stars out there and yet he's not too busy to care about your broken heart and speak to you in such a way that he could heal it. He goes from worlds to wounds in a distance only his infinite compassion can bridge. I, I like to think of it this way, Lord, it's good to praise you as ruling the stars, but it is so pleasant to love and adore you as, he, as a healer of broken hearts. Let's go on to Psalm 147, verses 7 to 11. Sing unto the Lord with thanksgiving. Sing praise upon a harp unto our God who covers the heaven with clouds, who prepares rain for the earth, who makes grass to grow upon the mountains. He gives the beast his food and the young ravens which cry. He delights not in the strength of the horse. He taketh not pleasure in legs of man. The Lord takes pleasure in them that fear him. Think about that. While we are praising the Lord, we do so with a heart of thanksgiving for all spiritual blessings, spiritual and material blessings. And verses seven to 11 tells that God who creates and causes the rain to fall and grass to grow to provide food for birds and animals, he's not pleased when we rely on our own strength. In other words, if we, if we look up to God and say, I got this problem, but I, I think I can handle it on my own. Don't talk to me right now. Or I'm not going to cry out to you. I'm not going to pray to you. I'm not going to reach out to you. I'm just going to do this on my own. How many of you have tried? I'm not going to ask for hands. But how many of you have tried to do it on your own and found out that you fell flat on your face? Oh, amen, brother, amen. And then you turn to the Lord and you ask him to get you through this. And I can only say he must have because I'm looking at you. You're a proof text of what it means to reach out to God and know that he is faithful to be there for you. The Lord delights when you and I put our trust and hope in him. Ralph Waldo Emerson, a great poet, said, all I, have, all, I have, all I have seen teaches me to trust the creator for all I have not seen. I'll do it again. All I have seen teaches me to trust the creator for all I have not seen. And you've tried them over and over again, and you're going to go into situations where you're going to be blind to it. You're not going to be able to see a way through. It's going to happen again. You should, you should lean back on the way he handled it the last time. The Lord of Karl Barth was a Christian writer, and he writes, In God alone is there faithfulness and faith in the trust that we may hold to him. His promise and his guidance to hold uh, to God is, is to rely on the fact that God is there for me and to live in that certainty. You have that hope, you have that trust, you have that faith, you have that belief that God's there. 
That's what you lean on. And you lean on it in certainty when you go through hard times. You know that he's there. Take that knowledge and run with it. Don't doubt. I mean, there'll be times when you will doubt. There have been times when I doubt it. But just know that he's there and he wants to help you get through something. The Lord of all creation takes responsibility for your protection, blessing, peace, and provision by controlling the snow, frost, hail, winds, rain, and warm breezes. What if we didn't have them? What if it stopped? Well, California was in a drought for 25 years, I think, something like that, wasn't it? It's not in a drought anymore. In fact, they got too much rain for them. But it means that now the dams, uh, the, the, the lakes are filled and the reservoirs are full. They've got more water than they would know what to do with, but they've got water again. As we nourish our souls on God's word, let's take time to step outdoors on a soon coming day in spring to observe his ways in nature. We can see God in his creation, amen? Like, you may not see the, you may not see the artist, but you look at the portrait and you can see the artist's handiwork. P.S., because you can see this work, you know that there was somebody behind it who painted it. When you see nature and the beauty of nature and the complexity of nature, that tells you that there's some intelligence behind it. And that intelligence is a real being. And that real being has more than just creation on his heart and mind. He loves you. And he has you on his mind. Psalm 19.1, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork. Think about what that verse says. That you can look up in the stars and see God. You can see what he did. You can see the work of the artist. The great scientist Louis Pasteur said, the more I study nature, the more I am amazed at the creator. Can we say that? Can you say that this morning? Whenever possible, try to go outside and see and feel and smell what's out there and look up to God's nature in adoration and gratitude. Thank God for the smells that are coming now, the flowers that are coming. Thank God for the beauty that's coming. Don't just walk by. One time uh, when I was in business, I went to lunch with a customer I was trying to, to, to win over. And this was a million-dollar account. Back when I was in work, a million dollars was a lot of money. We didn't know from billion. What was billion? That was too far to imagine. But, but a million a dollar account. And we had just had lunch, and we were walking down to my car, which is parked on a side street in Brooklyn. And as we were coming along, there was, a, there was a front yard, and this person had planted roses. And as we, I was, we were walking toward my car, I was talking to this customer. And I said, can I pause for a moment? He said, yeah, what's up? I said, I just want to smell those roses. Well, I smelled the roses. He didn't. As we started walking again, he said to me, I can't believe you did that. I said, why not? He said, we were talking about a big account, and you stopped to smell the roses. You got the account. So I can't promise you a million-dollar account, but I can promise you that when you stop to enjoy the beauty of God, you'll be blessed. And you may be blessing somebody else, too. It's been said, you will find something more in the woods than in books. Trees and stones will teach you what you cannot learn from masters. 
When was the last time you walked through the woods? When was the last time you stopped and just looked up at the trees that are beginning to bloom and blossom and bud? As Cecil Francis Alexander wrote, and I'll close with this, all things bright and beautiful, all things great and small, all things wise and wonderful. Punchline, the Lord God made them all. Amen? Be blessed. Spring is coming. And praise the Lord for his beauty and his creation. Let's pray. We thank you, Father, for the many blessings that we have because we have a wonderful God, a wonderful Savior, Jesus Christ. And we have a wonderful Holy Spirit living within us. Help us to rejoice, Lord. It is so easy to get dispirited. It is so easy to get disappointed. It is so easy to want to quit and give up. It's so easy to let people hurt us. It's so easy to go down all these negatives. But it's so wonderful to turn the channel and think beautiful things. Paul wrote it in Philippians. Whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, think on these things. So help us to change the channel, Lord, if we're not thinking about beauty and nature and your wonderful creation today. In Jesus' name, amen.